0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About It. My name is Jessica, and I'm here to have some informal, casual conversations around mental health and hopefully educate you along the way. Today, I have John with me, who's going to talk about a very interesting topic, um, urban design or urban planning, and how it relates to mental health. So before we get into that topic, I just wanted to ask you to sort of introduce yourself and, and tell us what is your link to mental health.
1: Yeah, my name is John. I'm a student of a master of architecture and I've also studied urban planning of my undergrad. And I've always had a, a pretty strong interest in how we experience cities and and how potentially our psychology and mental well-being can be influenced by the built environment. So I've done some research in my undergrad, and as well, I've continued it through my uh, Master's of Architecture, in studying how these different types of uh, urban design and different experiences in the city can actually influence our mental well-being, and we may not even understand it.
0: Perfect. And before we jump into that topic, I was just curious, how are you practicing self-care during this pandemic?
1: These pandemic times are definitely some difficult times, and uh, can definitely have an influence on your mental well-being. So, Personally, I mean, I, uh, between all the, the Zoom meetings and uh, all the calls that I have throughout the day, I, it's great to get outside and just take a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that being able to go out and explore the city and just kind of uh, explore nature and, and take your mind off things and try to take a break from some of the stress that you might be experiencing, uh, you know, being, being locked up at home and, and working I think it's very important to uh to kind of clear your mind and and enjoy the the, the built in the natural environment outside of your home.
0: Mhm. And I guess that also ties in really well with our topic too.
1: It does, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: I guess before we get started, what is urban design or urban planning? I don't know which term is more appropriate.
1: Uh, they, they kind of got get mixed up a bit and they, they're, they're similar. So uh, urban planning is, uh, is you're studying the, the development of the city and zoning and regulations and basically understanding what gets built and where. And then urban design focuses more specifically on the design of sort of like streetscapes in cities and neighborhoods and everything kind of between the buildings that it kind of revolves around urban design. For example, if you are walking down, you know, in, in a downtown and you are on the street, urban design kind of encapsulates the, the experience of on the, on the sidewalk, the buildings you see, the streetlights, uh, everything that kind of constitutes the built environment there. Could revolve around the concept of uh, urban design.
0: Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You know, you mentioned that it can really affect our mental well-being. Why is that, and and how? How does it do that? So there's a few
1: different ways. And, and really, the, the way I like to frame this is, is kind of imagining yourself um, almost like in a story. So if, if you think about when you say you were obviously not during these pandemic times, but say <laughs> previously when you, you're walking to the bus stop or a train station on your way to work or school, and you think about how you feel and and you look around the environment. And what do you what, what helps your your mental well-being in terms of that commute? just as an example. Is it related to, you know, is it a cloudy day that kind of makes you feel a bit more depressed? Is your anxiety triggered by walking down a narrow, dark tunnel Mm -hmm. or some sort of pathway to along your commute? There's different ways you can feel uh, stressed or anxious simply based on these aspects of your commute. And Mm -hmm. that kind of relates back to how our cities are designed and there's all these different scenarios that can can have a negative effect on your mental well-being so the understanding the fact that in your commute you can kind of experience these different urban environments and some spaces might be darker or there may be poor wayfinding in terms of getting around the the space and it kind of makes you feel uh, a bit more depressed and it can kind of trigger that poor mental well-being state uh, when you're simply commuting to school or work every day and sometimes you realize it and you feel that way, such as myself, just because I'm aware of you know architecture mm-hmm. and urban design. But some people who you know don't really notice it as much and aren't aware of the different styles of urban design, they still kind of feel this sense because it's just kind of in the background. So they're yeah. walking down the street and they they notice these kind of dark facades or they a lot of narrow pathways and sidewalks that are overcrowded. Mm -hmm. And even though they don't really know much about the urban design, they're still kind of experiencing it and they're still being influenced by it.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So you've mentioned that, you know, some factors that contribute to a negative well-being or a sort of, you know, just um, giving off vibes, I'm going to say, is, you know, places that are dark, places that are narrow. And you mentioned something about wayfinding. Do you mind just explaining that a little bit
2: more?
1: Yeah, so yeah. So, so wayfinding is, is just sort of when you walk through a city, there's typically signs that will either direct you to where is the closest, um, like where's city hall, where's mm-hmm. like the library, uh, access to, you know, like a local train station and things like that. Mm-hmm. Some cities have a lot more developed wayfinding that makes it easier to get you around the city. Mm-hmm. And some cities don't have that—that uh, that, those kind of little signs and things like that that direct you where you're going. And that kind of gives you this sense of being lost and you don't really have a place to, you don't know where to go in the city.
0: And do you think that having too much signage could also contribute to that negative feeling or... That's not really an issue.
1: I think that's that's an interesting thought. I mean, the typically the provision of more signage and wayfinding is encouraged. However, mm-hmm. now now that I think about it, I mean, if there was, it's kind of a an over wayfinding in terms of <laughs> too much too much signage and and pointing people in too many directions, it can kind of cause, uh, you know, a sense of of stress and uncertainty because there's so many different ways that you could access different services in a city. Um, at least at the street level,
2: yeah. it,
1: it could become a bit a bit hectic. So I think it's quite a detailed study in terms of, of the provision of wayfinding yeah. and how much uh, is provided and, and, and its, its ability to direct people the right way.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have more examples of things people should look out for? Like, I feel like now I'm going to be a lot more aware of my surroundings and, and trying to find these aspects. Like, what else should someone watch out for, I guess?
1: Like I was mentioning earlier, like these dark spaces and narrow sidewalk. The, the other element is being able to find an exit or a way out. So oftentimes, if you are, you know, exploring downtown or in a city and a lot, a lot of the congestion of the buildings and narrow sidewalks can kind of create this sense of being trapped Mm -hmm. and you're not able to see where you're going and that kind of exit or way out makes sure that you can always see the the space around you and you're never feeling trapped and and lost oh yeah that's interesting yeah yeah and then the final uh, consideration is also the provision of color in in the environment so you want to be able to have a in urban design lots of different colors and you know windows and eyes on the street uh, again for the same s- sense that these dark colors don't really help your mind when you're looking at the street and it's a cloudy day everything seems kind of dark and depressing yeah. uh, so you might see a lot more in, in cities there's you know bright murals being put up in in downtowns and areas of high density there's you know lots a lot of more glass buildings that people mm-hmm. can be looking onto the street so there's never that sense of being alone and lonely there's always kind of you know shops with windows and they're you're looking outside and you feel kind of it's a lot more vibrant mm-hmm. and that really also helps with uh, a, a positive uh, mental well-being just walking through the street and uh, knowing that you're not alone
0: yeah. and there's also just a
1: lot of bright color
0: okay and that's actually that Perfect. It leads to my next question, which is what are some, some positive factors that can be implemented besides, you know, bright colors and making sure you, there's not that sense of isolation?
1: There's a lot of elements in cities that are recommended for positive mental health and mental well-being. There's actually a, a center for urban design and mental health that goes through a variety of strategies that cities can undertake. Uh, to improve their mental well-being and and ensure that there's positive urban design, so I'll I'll just mention a few here. But okay, and everyone probably can agree with this one is the fact that open spaces and green spaces are very important for yeah. people to be able to just escape, and and just enjoy the environment and yeah. not just feel constantly stressed and and stuck in the middle of a city that's very busy. There's lots mm-hmm. of traffic. So the, the provision of open spaces and parks are, are really important uh, yeah. to improve uh, mental well-being.
0: I was just thinking like when you asked what is your commute like, like on my, when I did take the bus, there's a lot of trees on my mm-hmm. way to walking to the bus stop and that always sort of helps me de-stress, even though I don't think I realized at that point that that was a positive factor. It's just, it's nice to see those green
1: spaces. Yeah, definitely, and I mean the the provision of nature is is huge, and and whether it be in the form of trees or just planters and flowers. I mean, there's lots of cities are now um, hanging planters and and you know, like flower pots, kind of from the street posts and along the side of sidewalks. A lot of cities are also now starting to design patios that actually occupy part of the parking lanes. Mm-hmm. And that allows uh, an even more dynamic experience so when you're walking along the street, you're actually among company of people enjoying food or drinks on the street. Mm-hmm. And there's also those planters and trees and it just pl- provides for a lot more um, activity and more vibrant uh, a kind of streetscape than yeah. than a normal kind of sidewalk and curb and then roads and cars driving past you quickly and things like that. Mm-hmm. And another kind of key element is is really uh, designing spaces that promote that physical activity. and. This goes back to you know my method of self care during the pandemic, but yeah. uh, getting outside and and ensuring you experience the environment and you know going for a run or getting some physical activity outside is 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 really great. And the only it, it makes it easier to do that in uh, cities where they actually have you know a, a lot of pathways and uh, you know safe ways to go cycling downtown yeah. or yeah. or wherever. It's 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 a key element to ensure that that is doable because you know, in some cities or some neighborhoods there may not have, you know, they may not have these, you know, elements and these infrastructure that makes it easier to simply go for a safe run. And, you know, having crosswalks that actually uh, are, have lights that make, that make you feel safe to cross without having to Mm -hmm. uh, worry too much and things like that to ensure that people can, can have that physical activity outdoors and making it easier so that people who maybe may not be comfortable just spending time outside are, um, can actually do so. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing I like to mention is really the the creating spaces that promote social activity interaction. And again, during these pandemic times, this is this is difficult. But the 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 encouraging social activity and interaction is really important. And it's been very difficult during the pandemic to you know remain you know interacting with with uh, with people um, at a safe distance but having these, these parks and spaces where, where groups and uh, different populations. So it's, it's kind of a space that's open for everyone. So especially like in a downtown where there's such a dynamic population, you know, very diverse, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to have spaces that welcome everybody and kind of, you know, encourage this kind of social interaction with people from, from all over. And, I think it's it's important and and spaces that people are are wanting to go and interact with other people and and don't feel that it's potentially unsafe, whether it be you know, dark or, you know, very narrow and, you know, those, those kind of dark blind corners where you, you don't want to walk around because you don't know what's behind it. So mm-hmm. ensuring there's those strategies of making them safe is also uh, really important.
0: And, you know, I've noticed that there's a lot of different measures that have been put in place during the pandemic, like, you know, like circles that indicate that this is the distance that you should be or stickers or like arrows of traffic flow. And so do you mm. think the design of these different Social distancing reminders is also something that they really had to consider how to implement in order to not negatively impact people's well-being. Like, what are your thoughts on those?
1: I think, it's, I think it's definitely important because, I mean, some people are, you know, maybe not going outside as much because of the pandemic and they don't want to risk, you know, coming in close contact with other people. So the, you know, providing these outdoor spaces that make it clear where, you know, some people can one family can kind of congregate and then have that safe distance for someone else to congregate. It allows that ability for people to actually go out and still enjoy these outdoor spaces without the worry of potentially coming in close contact with with uh, other groups. So I think you know another strategy that's, that I mentioned earlier was this the whole the patio thing. So oh yeah, yeah. A lot of cities, you know, are 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 ensuring that they have these patio spaces outside. Just because you know being outside reduces that transmission so it makes it easier and and for people to still kind of enjoy being outdoors and you know having a a snack or something outside but by being outdoors you can also distance easier uh, and you're not kind of trapped indoors Mm -hmm. so a lot of a lot of cities have been passing um, bylaws and different uh, uh, permitting processes that allow patio spaces to be extended out kind of into the sidewalk and actually occupying the parking lanes, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, during these pandemic times, lots of people are working at home and there's uh, there's there's a lot more open parking spaces, you know, in downtown. So they can utilize these street parking as actual patio space. And, and by expanding outside, it gives a, more of opportunity and more space for people to Uh, enjoy the streets rather than being forced to to be indoors. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so I took a SOF
1: class
0: (laughs) one year and our prof briefly mentioned something called, I think, SEPTED? Yeah. Yes. And I was just thinking about that, how they purposely design neighborhoods to be sort of hard to navigate, hard to get in and out. And uh, so I was just thinking, like, what are your thoughts on that versus downtown where you you want to make sure it's easy to get out? I guess my overall arching question is, what are the different considerations that go into, say, the suburbs and that go into downtown? And how do those different considerations impact people's well-being?
1: So if anyone that isn't aware of is, uh the, is crime prevention through environmental design. Um, and the, it's very different, um, in the suburbs versus downtown. I think the problem is that downtown and the kind of grid pattern of streets and everything in downtowns as traditional and in almost every city you go to is really what is best. And then when you go into the suburbs, there's kind of a shift in priorities where the idea is that people go home and they stay home and they stay in their neighborhood and they don't really ever leave the neighborhood. So oftentimes you, you find you know, suburban neighborhoods that do only have a couple entrances to them and then it's very enclosed and it prevents you know people from entering who maybe may not be a resident. But that's not the way that we can consider designing cities because the, the fact is to have a dynamic and vibrant city, you do want these kind of connections between different neighborhoods and you want people to be able to access different areas of the city Mm -hmm. without being restricted to one space. So in you compare that to a more, you know, a higher density, like downtown area of a city, and you look at, you know, these strategies of crime prevention through environmental design. It might be kind of like I was mentioning before, the provision of, you know, more windows and shops along the streets. So rather than just having a blank wall along a sidewalk or like a loading dock or something, you have, you know, shops and and services that are facing the streets. There's always kind of people walking along the sidewalk and going in and out of the shops and the different services uh, rather than just a blank wall where there's nothing going on in the street. The sidewalk becomes relatively empty Mm -hmm. and that's kind of something that you really want to encourage everywhere. I mean, in suburbs, it's a bit more difficult because like I was saying, it's there is often that limited entry point, Um, but the, but I think a, a new strategy in the future with a lot of more new suburbs are ensuring that they are more better linked and that there are, you know, services that encourage people to to still go out and, and feel that they are, you know, there's always a, it's called eyes on the street. And okay. having, having that awareness of eyes on the street kind of gives you a sense of safety because you know that there's people you know, who are, there's, there's activity on the street and people are, are seeing you and seeing other people. And there's never that sense of being alone, mm-hmm. um, which could be concerning. So even like if you look at st- certain suburbs, um, some houses actually have uh, those like verandas in the front. So a lot of uh, neighborhoods are starting to encourage developments that have streetscape oriented design oh. where the, the house, obviously it's, it's facing the street like any other house but it's different in that it has these kind of patios and balconies in the front of the house to encourage people to kind of socialize and, and maybe just sit on their patio having lunch or something that's facing the street. So that when people are walking on the street, they know that there's activity and there's always that kind of eyes on the street element. Whereas, you know, a lot of typical suburban neighborhoods have houses that there's just a garage and there's a door and that's it. yeah And no one is really, you know, having activities on the street or on a pattern that overlooks the street. So there's, if you're walking along that road, then you may feel that it's very quiet and, and not much activity is going on and no one is watching the streets. So you may feel that sense of uh, un- like being unsafe
2: yeah.
1: or, you know, it's just that sense of loneliness that could be concerning. So those are some developments in downtowns and suburban neighborhoods that I think could really help with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had no idea that this much thought <laughs> went into designing all these urban places. And so you mentioned that there's a Center for Urban Design and Mental Health. Is that the correct name? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. A Center for Urban Design and Mental Health. Yeah.
0: When did that um, come into inception, if you know?
1: It's, it's relatively new. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, the whole kind of topic is, is relatively new. Um, so, I mean, within the past five years, it's been really kind of taking off. Mm-hmm. The, so back in 2017, the Public Health Agency of Canada actually released the Chief Public Health Officer's report on the state of public health in Canada. And it's basically an annual report um, that the Public Health Agency releases. And it's just kind of like a theme every year. And um, for 2017, uh was specifically focused on recommendations for designing our cities to encourage healthier lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of created a put a bit of a, a spotlight on the fact that there's ways we can be healthy, both physically and mentally. You know, we can go out for an ex- exercise or we can, you know, practice self-care and things like that. Mm -hmm. but there's also ways our cities can be improved to encourage that and kind of foster those. So there's, there's been more of a focus now on that. Well, we can focus on our ourselves, but there's also an opportunity. What can our cities do for us to, to make this easier? Mm -hmm. And, and that, that report kind of emphasized the fact that our cities can have an influence on, on us. So from there, it's kind of, it's kind of grown and, and looking into how, so many elements whether it be related to providing open spaces like i've mentioned or wider sidewalks or making it easier to cycle through the city that all have kind of a influence that it may be indirect and you may not even realize it's influencing uh, yeah. your mental well being um, but they are all uh, they're all great things to that could contribute positively to your your mental health and they're definitely great for the for cities to consider
0: yeah and how difficult do you think it is to retroactively implement these measures in cities that are already like well well developed
1: (laughs) yeah i think it's it's tough yeah like cities you know a, a lot of cities have all these you know you know streets are already built you'd have to tear it up and and you know widen a sidewalk or you'd have to redesign a whole building's facade to make it more colorful or add windows and i think it's a matter of just emphasizing the need and I think a lot of cities are open to hearing what citizens have to say and I mean if if people understand what is beneficial to the city or the community
2: mm-hmm. they can go
1: out and and you know talk to their councillor and and just get the get the word out there and and have it uh, have it raised in council meetings and things like that and yeah what usually comes out of that um are are like pilot projects so Oftentimes, you know, it's a lot of money to make these changes to infrastructure and things in cities to encourage uh, you know, better urban design. But these pilot projects can be little, you know, little temporary installations that do provide a sense of what could benefit the city and benefit people's uh, both physical and mental health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that way they're, they're you know, less expensive and they're temporary. And then if it goes well, then they can look you know, more permanent uh, installations in the future. So again, going back to the patios, that's yeah. an example of you know adapting to you know the changes in, in parking and you know not many people are downtown. So what if we imagined this, you know, parking space on the street that is typically just a metered parking stall? What if we took up that space and created patios and added green space or we widened the sidewalk?
2: Mm-hmm. Those are
1: all kind of temporary measures that would only be around for you know a couple months of the summer. But it gives people a sense of, wow, this is, this is what's possible and this is super cool. And yeah. I think this, is, this could be something that we consider to do, you know, in the future, whether it be, uh, you know, rehabilitating a street and, and, and designing it differently or just for new developments, something to consider.
0: What have you seen in our city that you think is done well and also that's been done pretty poorly?
1: I think there's there's a, a problem with a lot of cities and specifically ours is is the the fact that the downtown is is very car oriented mm-hmm. so uh oftentimes you'll see there's lots of uh surface parking lots downtown uh you know just gravel lots there's a ton of parking alongside the streets you know there's a lack of bike lanes so that if you did live you know near downtown and you wanted to bike. It's not very safe and it kind Mm -hmm. of gives you that feeling of stress and uncertainty if you are trying to access the downtown. So I think it's important to encourage that, you know, downtown is a place where people work, where people recreate. There's also people who live downtown and people who just use the various services and amenities downtown. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's considerations for people yeah and and not necessarily cars so you need to make sure that the downtown is supporting the fact that so many people are using uh that you know that neighborhood to access services and recreate and work so you know those suggestions like having having spaces where it's easy to to cycle to the downtown and you're not forced to you know cycle alongside moving traffic which is very unsafe and Mm -hmm. having those those opportunities to encourage i mean it's a it's a bit of a stretch but with surface parking lots, it's it's always just an eyesore walking past a surface parking yeah. lot, and, and oftentimes it's never monitored, so people can undertake whatever activities they want on those surface parking lots, you know, at late hours and things like that. So, mm-hmm. it's it's encouraging encouraging development, uh, you know, on those surface parking lots, so that there are more amenities provided and more residential, uh, you know, uses provided for those spaces. And if not, you know, if the if the economy is is not the time to develop those parking lots, finding ways to make them a bit more attractive. So you've seen, you know, multiple areas of our city and in many cities, they'll take, the, you know, the, an exposed side of a building next to a parking lot and paint a mural on it.
2: Yeah. And
1: simple things like that can really make a space look a lot more dynamic and, and inviting. Mm-hmm. Just going for a walk, I mean, it, it makes for like a super, you know, instagrammable space to, to, to take a photo you know like yeah. having, a, having a nice mural is always mm-hmm. great but you know it just it just really helps rather than having yeah. like a blank a blank side of a wall and and, and that, that's a relatively you know easy thing to do I mean you support yeah. the local arts community and everything yeah, by having exactly. that so yeah
0: and I personally just love street art like there's um yeah. lots of different like graffiti alleys that I've been to mm-hmm. and I think that's always a really cool project that should be implemented in more
1: spaces yeah it's 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 a really great thing and like art is beautiful and I think Mm -hmm. the by allowing art to be more accessible you know multiple types of art you don't have to go to an art gallery to experience art you can go for a walk downtown or somewhere and and appreciate some really beautiful um street art yeah like like certain graffiti and and murals and things like that that really that really kind of Create a space that's a lot more vibrant than just Mm -hmm. just a blank wall or a parking lot
0: and inclusive too since you don't really have to pay a fee or anything like that
1: exactly I mean that's that's a whole fact too is making things more accessible to all and and having you know beautiful streets don't have to just be in a specific area or some people think you know gated communities have like you know nice little streets and things but that's not that's not realistic and at the end of the day the the whole city operates together and as a whole Mm. and people need to be able to access beautiful spaces wherever they are in the city.
0: Yeah for sure and also something I was thinking throughout all of this which you brought up is having that person focused versus car focused I guess these are probably not the right (laughs) terms that are used but I was just thinking how much consideration is put into place of the experience from a vehicle
1: if that's put into
0: consideration at all.
1: Yeah I think it's it's definitely an old way of thinking for our cities is is, and I mean you see it in so many cities predominantly in the United States but just the way planning has evolved over the years it was traditionally based on the car and you look Mm at post-world war development patterns and things like that and it was very much so you drove a car to work you drove a car to the grocery store and everything was based on cars. So when they were developing neighborhoods and downtowns, the focus was based on people having a car. So they need a place to park the car. You know, they need, they need a wide enough highway and roads to accommodate all the cars. Mm-hmm. And then you're left with a very uninspiring kind of, you know, a, a, an environment that is just lacking in, in vibrancy. Yeah. And it becomes difficult to navigate those spaces without a car. Mm -hmm. and you you look at you know the way cities are going now is looking to design them for people and at the end of the day urban planning is for the people and you, you need to design you need to design cities and spaces so that people can utilize them and efficiently so you know, downtowns, especially, and I, I focus on downtown just because there's such a high density of people downtown. Yeah. Usually. Another thing is a lot of people downtown don't have cars and that that's either by choice or not. And they, you know, they don't have access to a car and you need to make sure that spaces kind of accommodate that ability so that when you're walking and experiencing these, you know, higher density areas, like a downtown, you're able to have a, a sense of fe- a feeling that you are, you're safe and you're, you're able to navigate the area without being influenced by uh, traffic or congestion mm-hmm. with vehicles, as well as car oriented places are, are not exactly the most dynamic or vibrant spaces. So mm-hmm. when, there's, when there's streets that have a lot of trees and you know, all the parking stalls alongside the road are replaced with like planters and a wider sidewalk or a bike lane, you can just imagine in your mind right now how much of a different experience it yeah. is Walking along a street with that much vibrancy versus walking along a street with bustling vehicles, you know, splashing puddles on you or whatever. It's just, <laughs> it's just like a completely different experience in the mm-hmm. city when you focus on designing for the people.
0: Yeah, I bet. Because I would say our city is pretty. It's pretty car-oriented. Like, if you don't have a car, it's very hard to get around. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, that sort of scenery you brought up it just it makes a lot of sense and I can see how that can contribute to a positive or negative well-being
1: and and it also goes back to I mean it's it's a bit more of an indirect effect but if we go back to the whole commute at the beginning and talking about what is your what is your experience when you're just on your commute Mm -hmm. even the the provision of of transit and and accessible transportation throughout the city also has an effect on on your mental well being yeah. because if you're if you're stuck in if you're stuck in traffic all morning because you're taking your car to work, that doesn't that doesn't help. And then if you're taking the bus or train and it takes, you know, hours to commute and it's very congested, you need to ensure that you know you're providing enough transit and and a suitable method of transit so that people can access different parts of the city stress free and and make it easier so that and more accessible so that anyone can access it and yeah. it doesn't become an additional sense of 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 anxiety and depression when you're just trying to get to work or school yeah. on, a, on a normal day and people experience that you know at least twice a day on the way there and on the way back
0: mm-hmm. so Yeah, no, when I tell you the stress the transit system here has (laughs) brought me, oh my gosh, this one time I came early to the bus stop and Mm. I was waiting. Five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by. I'm like, okay, at this point I'm just waiting for the next bus. I keep waiting. Finally, like 45 minutes later, two buses come. Like, I don't know what happened, but it was just so delayed. And I feel like because I'm not located very central. The mm-hmm. bus scene is either it's always late, it stops early in the day, and now they're mm-hmm. just canceling the bus route altogether. So it's just, I don't know, it's very, very frustrating. And so yeah. having a city that actually like thinks about their transit system and how to make it accessible to to all folks would be super great. I like Montreal's transit system the best so far, out of the yeah. places I've been.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely uh there's there's a happy mix between you know having buses and trains to to get people where they need to go and it can be really difficult mm-hmm. to find that balance because you know in a city there's so many different needs um of different people mm-hmm. but really at the end of the day you need to you just need to ensure that that the transit system is accessible and that it 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 is efficient because at the end of the day Transit is a way to commute somewhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And if it's not efficient, it creates a lot of stress on people and it makes it hard to actually experience the city. And even if you're just, again, you're just going to work or going to school, your day starts out already in a negative state simply because you're a commute. Mm Mm-hmm. And it could easily kind of ruin your day and all of a sudden you have a day where you're feeling, you know, you're feeling kind of stressed and depressed just because your commute to work and school was you know, Awful. somewhat disastrous. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, yeah, a whole other story. I mean, looking at cities yeah. that experience intense winters yeah. and how you go outside and everything is either it's kind of gray and muddy and white yeah. and if you're cold outside and waiting for these services and I mean, we can talk for, for hours about, you know, the differences in uh, cities that experience winters and how you need to make it more dynamic in the in the winter months where no one is really outside and everyone is, mm-hmm. has kind of a, a state of depression. When it's cold and no one's really experiencing the city as much. It's Actually, that elements. would
0: be really cool for you to just go into a little bit more because that's something I didn't even think about. But yeah, winter just seems yeah. to drag on. So how do you try to incorporate positive factors to ensure that people are still happy <laughs> in the winter? Yeah,
1: it's really it's really interesting. Um, the it, it's it's tough and like right off the bat, it's it's not easy. I mean, you look at certain cities that that face uh that face you know very short days in the winter
2: mm-hmm.
1: um especially i mean canadian cities obviously more so than american cities yeah. just how north they are you can be commuting to school or work when it's dark and you come home when it's dark
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's it makes it very difficult and and some of the strategies are are similar to the other strategies i mentioned previously i mean the the inclusion of of color and vibrancy is very important uh during the winter months. So. Some buildings and cities will, will incorporate lighting that tries to, you know, create spaces that are a bit more bright and vibrant, uh, e- even at night. And when I say at night, I just mean when it's dark and that can yeah. be like four 4.30 p.m. <laughs> so, so when you're, you know, if you're on your way to work or school and it's dark, having those, you know, the street lighting and like the lighting on buildings, brightening, uh, providing this kind of sense of, of vibrancy really helps with those with those dark kind of those dark commutes in the winter months and the there's obviously the other provisions like heated bus shelters and even bus shelters alone i mean like there's some some you know areas of cities don't even have bus shelters it's just a bus stop so you're not Mm -hmm. protected from the wind or anything Mm -hmm. and it makes it hard for people to access those services and again it forces them to take their cars and that's it's and then some people don't even have cars, so yeah. it it makes it a bit harder to access transit that way as well, so providing you know shelters and things like that for 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 transit really um helps people to actually want to access those uh, transit services and also i mean it, it's this is a, a, a more of a architecture related, but there's certain um buildings that actually have strategies to encourage visitation during winter months, so like I was mentioning having um a frontage onto the street that actually has, you know, services and windows and, and opportunities to go into the building are are really important because oftentimes in some downtowns, it can create kind of like a wind tunnel effect in the winter. And where there's lots of kind of buildings that don't have many openings and they're just kind of tall rectangular boxes close together, Mm -hmm. they can actually create like a wind tunnel that blows down and makes it even colder on the street and and less desirable to walk around. So these are all things we consider um, in in designing buildings. And it's also something that some cities are are spearheading and there's certain cities uh, in in the world. I mean, a lot of the uh, Nordic countries out in Europe, have different winter city strategies that actually specifically outline ways that we could uh, you know, make cities more dynamic and vibrant in the winter months. Um, oh. Edmonton is a city that has a winter city strategy mm-hmm. and they've actually spearheaded uh, that as well. And and there's just, there's just a bunch of different cities that are, are creating these strategies. And I think by fostering a, a greater conversation about that, yeah. we can really help other cities, you know, all over the, all over the world that, you know, see winter as a negative thing and instead make it a make it bit more vibrant and encourage people to go outside and enjoy the city even in the colder months.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've discussed a lot this episode and I was just curious, what is the major takeaway that you want the audience to leave with or major takeaways?
1: Yeah, I think, I think just, just understand the fact that the city does have an, an influence on your mental health and you know the urban design of where you live and everything does have an influence on your mental health so in addition to kind of keeping keeping tabs on you know different strategies to improve your mental well-being also be aware of the fact that just where you live and where you access services can also have an impact on on your mental well-being so if there's you know strategies or you know, initiatives in your community to improve the sidewalk or, you know, widen the sidewalk or a little pilot projects to kind of create vibrant spaces. I definitely encourage you to take part in them and support them. And Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll not only benefit uh, you, but it can benefit so many people and, and, and they may not even know it because like I was saying earlier, it's some people don't even realize how simply where they live or their commute is in the different urban design architecture they witness affects their mental health, but mm-hmm. it does. And, and, and until you're aware of that, um, you won't know. So
0: Yeah. Even though, it, you know, in the background, it's still being taken in by our brains.
1: And yeah, so, exactly.
0: It's a really important consideration.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so, thank you so much for sharing all of this. It was very, very interesting and eye-opening. Now I'm going to be critiquing my downtown area as I walk around. Because definitely, (laughs) I have noticed while traveling to different cities, like there's just, there's a shift in energy. And I'm like, oh, I wish we kind of had this in our downtown. Or I don't know, there's a difference in how you feel. And I don't think I've really been able to put my finger on it. But I'm just like, oh, no, this is better. (laughs) It feels better. I like this. I like walking around here compared to um, the downtown in my own city.
1: Yeah, the thing I love, I mean, about urban design, is that it's something that it affects everyone because we all live in places. So we're all commuting places, we're all accessing services. whether whether you even know it or not, you're being influenced by by the urban design. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that's really important for us to to consider and and just get involved and and if you ever see like a open house or a public engagement event about a new sort of streetscape design or things like that, make sure you get out there and get your voice heard. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's important because it can it can definitely have an influence on your mental well-being.
0: Yeah, and actually, that reminds me of a question that I was gonna pass your way. So you're in the industry, and I was just wondering, how willing are are folks in the industry to make these changes? Like, is there a bit of resistance? Are people more Conservative, or would you say the majority are pretty supportive about making these considerations?
1: I think the the majority are supportive. I think we we can all understand in the industry that these are these are important elements to consider, and, and I think it's something that we, we we're really starting to push a bit more, mm-hmm. in uh, even like in education for you know planners and architects who are entering the field. But the 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 push is to really kind of ensure that new projects consider these um, these changes for mm-hmm. urban design and. I think that there's a lot of strategies in terms of taking existing areas and existing streetscapes and improving them. uh, And that's through those pilot projects and streetscape kind of rehabilitation Mm -hmm. where they, you know, they will dig up the whole street and then redo it with like wider sidewalks and trees and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and, but then there's also the new projects that come out and you want to be able to ensure that those new projects actually consider those elements for, you know, ensuring, you know, vibrancy in the winter cities as well as on any on any given day in the summer.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I think it's just a matter of emphasizing the need and I think that there's you know, various cities have you know committees on council that will you know comment on the design and they will make sure that these kind of aspects are being considered mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day I mean it it also needs to be emphasized uh, just out to the the private sector because I mean some the people who are actually uh, designing and building the buildings need to also be aware yeah. of uh, these facts. So in the actual design process, very early on, it needs to be a consideration that is made and not just kind of something that's tossed in later during mm-hmm. the approval process. So, but I think it's, I think we're in a, we're going in a positive direction. And uh, okay. as long, as, as long as we uh, just keep emphasizing the need, I think we will start to see a lot, uh, a lot of better uh, developments and, and streetscapes that consider, you know, how, how urban design can, influence the mental well-being
0: thank you again thanks for coming on to this podcast and explaining this whole new world
1: <laughs> yeah i think i think yeah. i mean at, at the end of the day i think the value is just that you know there's a lot of typical areas of mental health that you know some people you know, most people are kind of aware of yeah. and then it's like okay yeah i'll learn more about it here and there and then there's there's also this aspect that's just like completely you know people don't even realize i feel like even like even like myself i mean i being in this field i i do notice these things but even before it's like you can be critical of like where you you know like where you live or your commute and things like that and being like oh man like the street is so ugly <laughs> like, and stuff like that and like that's how you vocalize it but in yeah. reality like in your head you're also just kind of like just just the fact that you feel that way You're also getting that sense of stress. If
0: you have any questions or comments or what have you, definitely post them on Instagram and I will bring them to John's attention, Instagram or Twitter. And hopefully you're okay. Sorry, I'm just like volunteering your time. But (laughs) if (laughs) if it does come up, I will pass them your way, just because this is a very interesting topic. I feel like I've learned so much. This is something I've never um, really considered before, even though, you know, I am really big on mental health and, you know, mental health advocacy. I've never considered just how much our environment can play a role down to the signage and, and the colors and you know the nature part that kind of, that makes sense that part I kind of clued in on early on in the game mm-hmm. but <laughs> everything else that's really really interesting.
1: Yeah I know thank you so much for having me and I'm happy to uh, to highlight another area of mental health that's important so uh, mm-hmm. hopefully it wasn't too much too much information.
0: No it was great.
1: But uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well that's it from me. If you want to keep the conversation going, please email me at lcaipodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter or Instagram, again, at LCAIpodcast. I'm happy to answer questions, comments, concerns. Just let me know. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening,
2: and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks.